interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Milu's brain? Uh-oh. Hey, it's cool here if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in lovely downtown Halifax. It is a beautiful day today. It is about 21 degrees outside and nice and sunny. We'll get some more weather details about halfway through the show, but first, as we usually do, it is time to take a look at what's new. Over at lowbiasgaming.net, which is pretty much the Jason jo- the Jason show featuring Jason. Um, yeah, eight episodes of Dragon Warrior 7, Fragments of the Forgotten Past. And that's pretty much all that's been going up lately. I need to get around to um, putting my uh, Kirby's All-Star Legend on the site, but uh, that hasn't been going up for a little bit. Um, these streams are still happening though on youtube.com slash lowbiasgaming, so uh, that's happening every Sunday at 6pm Atlantic time, so you know, check it out if you're interested. We also of course have the 365 days of the Super Nintendo still going strong with the latest games being Virtual Bart, uh, Super Star Wars, Sonic Blastman, and Romance of the Three Kingdoms 3 Dragon of Destiny, among others, as well as, of course, more uh, soundtracks, including Hollow Knight and a few others, others there as well. I'm just looking at the new posts here on the website that tells me what I can expect to be seeing. Anyway, uh, so yeah, not a whole lot, but still some stuff going on, and perhaps some stuff going on in the future on MobiusGaming.net. We'll see. Anyway, that's about it for the intro. Let us get to some music here on Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's kick off this weekend, shall we? You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Naoki Kodaka, and it is the title theme named Hebereke of today's game from the archives. Join Bop Louie as he searches for his three friends, Shades, Freon Leon, and Gil, to help him complete his mad scramble. It won't be easy. Brain-boggling mazes, traps, and bizarre pitfalls stand in your way back to euphoria. You'll rely on your friends to survive in this strange, changing world, but beware. You better have the right powers for the strange worlds you'll encounter, or you lose. As you make your trek through mystical forests, deserts, and oceans, you'll need to seek out and destroy monstrous creatures every step of the way. Will you have the right powers at the right time? Don't get, don't let the mind-zapping colors and stupefying sound effects throw you off. Remember, it's only a game. And this uh, rather sensational back of the box is from Euphoria: The Saga, which is a platformer game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, developed and published by Sunsoft, and released in 1991. Never actually released in North America. I think there might have been some uh, releases in North America later on, but uh, the original game never was. 
And in fact, this is the only game in this series where uh, the main character is named Bop Louie, is usually named Hebereke. And in later uh, games in the series, even in Europe, where it did see a release, uh, they do have their Japanese names. So that's kind of interesting. Anyway, pretty neat platformer. Eight episodes that Jason has recorded for us. And I think it's worth a look. Dynamite Girl by Commissar, local artist, and uh, you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. (music) 
And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is indeed time for the news of the weird, and here's something weird for you. They changed the format a little bit. So for whatever reason, the first story doesn't have a headline. Okay. Anyway, this is this is ranting at this point. Let's keep going with the show. As usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about 13-15 minutes long, and these stories have been scanned for objectionable content. Uh, take that as you will. Our lead story for today, Joshua Jack of Auckland, New Zealand, received an email from his bosses at an ad agency informing him that he was expected at, quote, a redundancy meeting to discuss his future at the company. Kindly, the New, Zeal- the New Zealand Herald reported they suggested he was welcome to bring along a support person such as a friend or family member. Sensing the bad news, I decided I need the best support person available, Jack wrote on Facebook. So I spent $200, 127 US, to hire a clown. As the co-workers discussed Jack's exit, the cloud blew up balloons and folded them into animals. He mimed crying when Jack was handed his final paperwork. Jack said his bosses found the humor in the situation, and he has already landed another job. Well, um, I mean, I suppose that's one way to do it. Uh... It's not something that everyone is going to think of, and not everyone is going to be able to spend $200 when they know they're about to get canned. But, I mean, if you're gonna go out, you may as well do it in style, right? There you go. Um, Speaking of Oceania, news you can use. It's springtime in Australia, which means if you're headed outside down under, you'll want to carry a big stick with you. September and October are the height of magpie swooping season when nesting magpies are known to attack walkers, runners, and bike riders in defense of of their young. While they're only about uh, 12 inches long or so, Southern News reported, the black and white birds can cause a lot of pain with their shark beaks. Last year, a a toddler was nearly blinded, and this year a man who was attacked as he rode his bike veered off the path and crashed, later dying of head injuries. They're never trying to hurt anyone or be malicious, ornithologist Giselle Kaplan said. It's all about risk assessment. I mean, there's definitely a story in this, and that story is Moby Dick. Except instead of a whale, it's a bird. There's probably another story in that, too. Our next story, though, is The Dog Did It. Yeah, sure, buddy. Thomas Barnes, 58, got an unpleasant surprise in his bill from DirecTV in August after his dog, Marino, jumped up on Barnes's bed and pressed a remote button that mistakenly ordered pay-per-view from the Hustler channel. Oh, this is going to be good. Barnes immediately called his service provider and explained the snafu, and he was assured that the charges would be removed. But the X-rated content remained, so after making a second call and getting no satisfaction, Barnes paid his next bill, minus $70. Then his service was cancelled altogether. Finally, Barnes complains to the Federal Com- uh, Communications Commission, which prompted a call from DirecTV promising a credit on his next bill. If there's a problem when there's a mistake and you expect me to pay for the mistake, Barnes told the Raleigh News and Observer. Yeah, I mean, just, that, that stuff is not cheap. I have not bought any myself, but I have seen the prices. It is not cheap, and you don't want to be stuck paying for that bill when your dog is feeling lonely. Our next story, there is a rule for everything. Followers of Emily Post, who are floundering with the rules for making toast, uh, getting toasted, will want to pick up the new book from her great-great-granddaughter, Lizzie Post. According to the New York Times, Higher Etiquette, a guide to the world of cannabis from uh, from dispensaries to dinner parties, offers tidbits of advice for a variety of situations, to wit, Don't eat all the munchies. 
avoid words like pothead and weed which can have negative connotations, tip your bud tender well as he or she probably makes minimum wage, etiquette, Post reminds us, can be so easy. I mean, that pretty much goes for anything. It, uh, I guess there's there may be some attention to be paid when you're under the influence and not really quite thinking at 100%, but um, I mean, that stuff is supposed to make you kind of mellow, isn't it? Wouldn't that lead to, you know, better, um, better handling of these uh, etiquette situations, ideally? Yeah, anyway. Our next story for the news today is under the title of Awesome. Jerry, Moore, Jerry Moore's goal with his latest project is making people smile, much like mine, and it's working, hopefully like mine. The Pensacola, Florida man built a boat car, a hybrid vehicle that looks like a boat on top but motors along the street on the chassis of a Ford Expedition. Moore's wife Karen said her husband completed the project in three days and made sure it was street legal before taking it out on the road. WER-TV TV, reported on September 10th that the vehicle is, quote, a permanent convertible, but Moore keeps a scuba mask and snorkel on board in case they get caught in the rain. It's probably also not an amphibious vehicle, because... Well, that's a question to ask, though. Is it amphibious? I mean, probably not, but... Hmm. Well, I guess time will probably tell. Someone will make a bad decision somewhere, and it'll end up in a lake. And we'll see if it floats or not. Seems like a theme. Uh, two stories here. Quote, uh, uh, quote, no, well, quote... There aren't, well, there are, there are quotes, but it doesn't start with one. Coolio makes sense. I mean, more so than... Anyway. After Hurricane Dorian moved away from the U.S. southeast coast, a couple from Somerville, South Carolina, strolled out to Folly Beach to see what, ha uh, what had washed up. Their efforts were rewarded when they stumbled on two cannonballs from the Civil War. When we first found uh, the one, my girlfriend thought it was a rock, Aaron Latin said. But when I started to dig around it, it was very round. We came back the next day and we found the larger cannonball tucked away in the brush. And that's when we contacted authorities. WCIV reported that after Hurricane Matthew in 2016, 16 can uh, cannonballs were found in that same spot. The whole Charleston area is exactly where the Civil War began, so to find something causes you to look back and realize what a big part of history that was is very exciting, Latin remarked. It's nice to find something of, you know, actual historical significance and not just Garfield phones that keep washing up every couple of days because... I don't know. <laughs> Such weird things that get stuck in the water somewhere and end up washing up but cannonballs are kind of an interesting uh kind of an interesting thing especially in charleston hmm that is a find here's some more about this uh, apparent theme jeff easton uh, hired to remove a dead tree on a historic property in independence missouri in early september was surprised when a small civil war cannonball fell out of one of the branches the property is the site of uh, the Overfelt Johnson House, um, which served as a hospital during the First Battle of Independence. Owner Randall Pratt told KMBC that it wasn't the first cannonball they'd found on the property. When the property was restored in 1980, there was a cannonball that had been shot into the wall just, left to, just to the left of the upstairs window, Pratt said. In addition to the uh, newest munition, a half dozen old chains were found embedded in the tree. Pratt said he would keep the cannonball to display in the historic home. I mean, didn't you already have a cannonball to display in the historic home? I guess having two doesn't hurt, but it also doesn't really add anything to the story. 
But in any case, that's still kind of neat. Um, yeah. Let's just leave it at that, I guess. Hair fetish? Maybe. I don't know. Let's read the story and find out. In the overnight hours of September 17th, thieves targeting prime uh, trading hair and wigs in Miami Gardens, Florida, rammed the front door repeatedly and eventually made off with seventy dollars to $80,000 worth of wigs, some worth as much as $800 a piece, reported WFOR. Business owner Rakib Hussain said the thieves, quote, knew where the expensive products were and they knew everything about the stockroom. Thankfully, he was insured for his losses. In a strange twist, the burglary, at, the burglary at Prime Trading follows a similar incident two weeks earlier right across the street at Subi Trading Incorporated, where a criminal stole up to $100,000 worth of products, including many wigs. Who needs that many wigs? I mean, having a store where you sell wigs is one thing, but stealing almost $200,000 worth of wigs. What are you going to do with that many wigs? Answer me this, Batman. Anyway. Next story, chutzpah. Chutzpah. Anyway. In their booking photos, Aaron Seth Thomas, 31, and Megan Lynn uh, Mondanaro, Mondanaro, there we go, 35, are, bo are both sporting sly little grins, and no wonder. After they were detained near midnight on September 13th for drunk bicycling in Fernandina Beach, Florida, the couple passed the time in the back of the patrol car by stripping down and having sex. Nassau's County Sheriff's, uh, Nassau County Sheriff's deputies pulled Thomas, who was fully naked, out of the car, but he escaped, the Florida Times Union reported. He was later found hiding behind an ice cream store nearby. The two are charged with lewd and lascivious exhibition, fun words to say, threats against public officials, attempted escape, resisting arrest with violence, exposing sexual organs, and theft, along with DUI. Is making the most of a bad situation. That's all I can really say. Next story, extreme measures. That was a voice. 22-year-old Eric Villa, uh, Villa Senior of Silmar, California, really didn't want to go to the Los Angeles County Fair on September 15th with his parents. Evidently, his determination was great, uh, was so great that he thought it was appropriate to send an email to fair staff around 2.45 p.m. on September 13th with an alarming warning. Hello, I was told that someone was planning on doing a mass shooting on Sunday at the fairgrounds. I just wanted to inform you guys already. That ain't cool. That's not cool. Naturally, Fox News reported, uh, Villa Senior's email set off a chain of events involving the police department, FBI, and inter-terror liaisons. Villa Senior eventually admitted to authorities that it was a hoax and was arrested just a few hours later. There are enough shootings in the United States that happened way too often without making up your own. If you don't want to go, just say you don't want to go. That easy. And our next story. Oh, the stupidity. Tyler Ewer, uh, whom University, uh, whom Ohio University had explicitly confirmed is not a student at the institution, suffered numerous injuries on September 13th after he climbed an electric pole near the Athens, Ohio campus to the cheers of a raucous crowd below. At the top, Ewer, who had been drinking, grabbed a live wire which sent sparks flying and set his hand on fire, reported the Daily Mail. He then lost his footing and fell to the ground about 30 feet below. One witness was, sh was shaken. I thought he was dead. There is no explanation for him living. His injuries included three broken leg bones, four breaks in his back, numerous burns, and other fractures. Ewer's sister, Danielle, started a GoFundMe page. Uh, to help pay his medical bills, but some weren't having it. Comments included, What in the name of God were you thinking? 
Athens police said that Uwer may be charged with criminal mischief. Now tell me, I like, I don't care how much you've been drinking. What went through your mind to think that you could touch an electrical wire? Like, even after the hurricane, I, I saw some electrical wires on the ground and was entirely sure that they were completely disconnected and still didn't want to touch them in case they weren't. So, um, yeah, you don't do that. That is not a smart thing. Anyway, liar, liar, hands on fire, some such thing, I guess. <clears throat> How about the weather, shall we? Let's talk about the weather. It is currently 18 degrees here in Halifax and mainly sunny. Uh, fog patches developing before morning. Wind northwest 20 kilometers gusting to 40, becoming light this evening and a, a low of 8 tonight. Saturday, September 28th, mainly sunny skies with fog patches dissipating in the morning. Wind becoming southwest 20, uh, gusting to 40 near noon, high of 20, UV index of high or moderate, and at night clear skies, increasing cloudiness after midnight and then a few showers, fog patches developing before morning, uh, about 2 millimeters of rain and a low of 13 degrees. Sunday, September 29th, showers during the day with a high of 21, going down to a low of 6 in cloudy periods at night. Monday, September 30th, sunny skies and a high of 14, going down to a low of 5 and clear skies at night. Tuesday, October 1st, sunny skies and a high of 14, going down to a low of 9 and a 6% chance of showers at night. That 6% chance of showers will persist throughout Wednesday, October 2nd, with a high of 16 and a low of 11. And also through uh, Thursday, October 3rd, where we will see a high of 15 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it's time for a little more music.
That was National Broadcast Network with Galactic from the album Chiptunes Equals Win Volume 8, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it is time for gaming next month. Yes, it is the last Friday of the month, which means that we'll be looking at the games that are coming out for October 2019. And oddly enough, they're starting to list releases for Google Stadia, despite the fact that that's not coming out until November. And even if I'm looking back at previous lists, it's showing games that are going to be on the Stadia for like as far back as February, so I don't even know. Anyway, if it says Stadia, I'm going to say Stadia, but keep in mind that's not out yet. Um, and that's starting with our very first release coming out on the very first day of October, which is the next expansion for Destiny 2 Shadowkeep. That is going to be coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC. Neocab is coming out on October 3rd for the PC exclusively. Ghost Recon Breakpoint is coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC on October 4th. October 8th, big day, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 games, including Atlas for the Xbox One and PC, Concrete Genie for the PlayStation VR and 4, Indivisible for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, John Wick Hex for the PC and Mac, Trying 4, The Nightmare Prince, for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and Ukulele and the Impossible Lair coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. October 11th, three new releases there. Doraemon Story of Seasons coming out for the Switch and PC, as well as Grid for PS4, Xbox One, Stadia, and PC, and Killer Queen Black for the Switch and PC. Uh, October 15th, we have two new releases, including Children of, of Morta for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition is finally coming out on the Switch. Uh, October 16th, a new release for the Switch, A Little Town Hero, is going to be coming out. October 17th, the very next day, two new games, including Felix the Reaper uh, for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac, and Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes Complete Edition, for the PS4 and PC. October 18th, we have three new releases, including Lovecraft Tales, The Whisper in the Darkness for the PC, Plants vs. Zombies, Battle for Neighborville for the PS4, Xbox, Xbox One, and PC, and Ring Fit Adventure, the sequel to Wii Fit, basically, coming out for the Switch October 18th. October 22nd, two new games including The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel uh, 3 for the PlayStation 4 exclusive, and WWE 2K20. No, uh, no systems listed, so I assume it's not coming out for anything. That's probably a lie. Um, October 25th, three new releases including Call of Duty Modern Warfare. I thought this game was already out for several years, but apparently it's only coming out now. Yeah. Uh, Medieval for the PlayStation 4 and The Outer Worlds for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. After Party is coming out on October 29th for the PlayStation 4 and PC, as well as Harvest Moon Mad Dash for the PS4 and Switch. And Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz for the uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Excuse me one second, the music actually ran out. We have a lot of new releases in October, but we're almost done with the list. Luigi's Mansion 3 is coming out for the Switch on Halloween, October 31st, as well as Moons of Madness for everything else, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. That is our extensive list of new releases for October. Keep in mind that this list can be updated anytime. You can go to GameInforward.com slash 2019 for an updated list at any given point. And next month, of course, we'll be looking at the games coming out in November, and that list is already pretty meaty, so we might run out of music for that one, too. Anyway, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's put on some more music, shall we?
That was Scorched Sands by Jake Kaufman from the album FX3 Remastered. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Alright, and today I want to talk about a game. And three of them, in fact... Professor Layton, from his eponymous video game series, often says a true gentleman leaves no puzzle unsolved. That's all well and good, but why is it that there are so many puzzle games that which can't be solved, or generally just go on until you lose? Or is that always the case? Let's take a look at a few of these puzzle games which may or may not be actually solvable, depending on how you look at them. The first game we'll look at is Tetris 99. This is a battle royale puzzle game for the Switch developed by Arica, published by Nintendo and released on February 13th, 2019. And apparently there's a physical release now since a few weeks ago? Oh. Anyway. Based on a combination of Alexi Paget Now's original design and the trend of 100-player murder-death place zones, uh, the goal here is to outlast 98 other players by both sending garbage lines to other players and repelling incoming attacks by arranging the blocks that continue to fall from up above to create unbroken rows. Albeit sometimes in broken ways. If you're playing the T-spin way, 
you know what I'm talking about. So as always, let's start with the presentation. The music is, well, Tetris. And the Tetris guideline requires that uh, Corbiniki song. You get any other options? Not exactly? Well, kind of, but not without changing the entire theme. Themes can be obtained by either completing daily missions and exchanging uh, tickets for, uh, for them, or by participating in Maximus Cup events and placing well enough in enough games to get 100 event points. Themes also change most of the sound effects and graphics sets. The music changes when there are 50 participants left and again at 10, making for a very tense atmosphere when it comes down to the wire. In any case, everything looks and sounds pretty good, but your mileage may vary based on what theme you may be using. Now for the gameplay, and it's hard to put a finger on it. Some days a player may have trouble getting past the bottom 20, and others they may get top 10 almost every time. Match gaming is not really handled uh, all that well here. Players are scored by a level which always goes up, rather than by ranking score which can go up and down, and that level doesn't really matter when matchmaking happens, they just kind of throw everyone in together. Uh, so on one hand, that can prevent people from just gaming the system, throwing dozens of games to get a lower ranking, just be able to get lots of wins against easier opponents. On the other hand, it can make for a pretty inconsistent experience on occasion. At the very least, once a player has run, won at least one game and achieved Tetris Maximus, anyway, they get access to Invictus mode. Playing against all winning players and, if needed, tough bots to fill the gaps makes for a pretty intense experience. One thing that does disappoint me, however, is the fact that despite this game being made by Arika, who also made Tetris the Grand Master, they didn't implement the special sound effects from that game which announced which block is coming up next. Highly skilled players tend to make use of that sound to plan their next move ahead of time so that they don't have to look at the next window and take their eyes off the board. In the end though, Tet Tetris 99 is a good time killer and one heck of a test of Tetris skills. Can this puzzle be solved? Well, kind of, if you consider Tetris Maximus to be a solved state anyway. The next game I'll talk about is Zelda Picross. This is a free open source puzzle game developed and published by Vincent Julia and released probably in 2010. I wasn't able to find a release date for this one. Anyway, for some odd reason, Ganon, who got his grubby mitts on the Triforce once again, decided to make a wish to turn Hyrule into Picross boards. Somehow Link was spared from this fate, and so he gets his trusty pencil and takes it upon himself to fill out grid after grid to restore Hyrule to its proper glory. Yeah, weird story. I don't know. Anyway, the presentation for this one, not much to be said about it. The music and sound are pretty much rudimentary for the most part. Mini music based on various Zelda games and sound effects straight up ripped from them, particularly in Link to the Past. The map screens are nice to look at, and the Picross boards are well, Picross boards. There's not a whole lot that can uh, there's not a whole lot that can be done to break them up. Some attempts are made, but in some cases, it can actually make the puzzle a little harder to solve for the wrong reasons. Now the gameplay. Humbles will be focusing on adventure mode, one of the two modes available to play in. The player has to travel across Hyrule, solving puzzle after puzzle to traverse maps. However, there are some roadblocks in the way in the form of either item requirements, in which, in which case Link's, Link will need to find the item required, such as bombs, hookshot, etc., and boss events, where Link will need to solve multiple Picross spores on the same timer and health bar. Oh yeah, this game has a health bar, by the way. The game will tell the player how many hearts of damage Link will take from an incorrect guess on a certain puzzle, which can be halved with the shield upgrade, and additional heart containers can be found scattered across the world by either solving specific puzzles or clearing all the map's puzzles with uh, total time under that map's par time, which is displayed once that map is cleared. And one of my favorite features, honestly, with this game is the fact that the game will let you will let the player fill in multiple rows and columns in a single move, which is not something that I've seen any other Picross game allow for. 
There's also the rank feature, which starts at rank Z and, go, and goes up as the player clears the game. However, to get up to rank A, the player needs to clear all 200 adventure puzzles in, a, uh, in under a total time of 24 hours, and then all 200 free puzzles, which are the same puzzles, in under a total time of 24 hours. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get an A rank here, sorry. In any case, Zelda Picross is an interesting game for the Picross enthusiasts, which adds an extra level of engagement, which I think makes it pretty fun. Can this puzzle be solved? Yes, definitely. Finally, one of my pu favorite puzzle games of all time, Tetris Attack. This is a puzzle game for the Super Nintendo, developed by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo and released in North America in August 2006. The story varies depending on whether you're playing the North American Tetris Attack or the Japanese Puzzle of the Pond, but it's overall fairly similar. The big bad, in our case Bowser, has cast a spell on the land, Yoshi's Island, to make it rain like it was typhoon season and mind control our friends. Thus it's up to our intrepid hero, Yoshi, to dispel the curse and bring their friends back to super happy fun times. First, the presentation. The graphics are incredibly varied. There are 10 different venues throughout the game, each with their own unique style. Everything is nice and colorful and pretty easy to follow. The music is just as varied as the venues are and the sound is nice and peppy. Now for gameplay, and first thing I have no idea why this is called Tetris Attack. Despite claiming to be based on the original Tetris game in the credits, it bears absolutely no resemblance to it and reportedly Hank Rogers, co-founder of the licensee The Tetris Company, stated he regrets issuing a Tetris license for this game, which is probably why it's better known nowadays as Puzzle League outside of Japan. In any case, a stack of panels keeps rising from the bottom, and the goal is to swap, uh, swap them horizontally to create lines of three or more of the same color. Clearing more than three or causing chain reactions will either uh, result in bonus points or when uh, playing competitively, it will cause garbage blocks to fall into the opponent's field. Garbage blocks can easily enough be cleared off by creating a match adjacent to them, but any single garbage block which is more than one row thick will only shed a single row per clear and must be cleared multiple times. The modes available to play are myriad as well. One can play an endless mode, creating matches until they can't keep up with the board or max out the score counter. Time trial, giving the player two minutes to score as many points as possible, stage clear an incremental challenge to uh, clear enough panels to make it below a certain line that will eventually show up on the field, puzzle mode, a thinking challenge to clear the entire board within a certain number of swaps, VS Com, the story mode I described earlier, and there's also a two-player mode that can be played either as a straight battle or two-minute score attack. In all, uh, Tetris Attack is super fun, has many different ways uh, to play, and I and I know for a fact that I've spent so much time on this game over the years. If you're a puzzle fan, definitely give this one or one of its Puzzle League siblings a go. Oh, and it can be solved. Uh, in most cases, I would say so, yes. So that's it for our look at puzzle games for today. The only puzzle that really remains is which of these will you try to solve first? Hmm? Let me know over at SquareSim on Twitter, SYM. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that last one was Watch Out for Snakes with Torn from their album Upgrade, which just came out recently. And that is it for today's show. I hope that you enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed making it for you. And I shall be back, of course, next time with some more stuff for y'all. So do be sure to tune in for that. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Barton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment uh, Gaming Next Month is provided by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment Music composed by myself, Manaba Namiki, Noriki Kimikura, Twilight of Defects, Sean Daly, Niflis, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7pm and The Vinyl Factory at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your tunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041 and there's also a brand new feedback form on ckdu.ca. Just go to ckdu.ca slash shows and click on Square Wave Symphony. There's also a podcast version of the show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim, S-Y-M, or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or wherever you prefer to get your podcast. It's probably going to be there. Well, not maybe not Spotify. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know. And I'll see you guys next time. Yeah. <laughs>